afternoon everyone and welcome to the official Vox podcast. I am your host Sohail Dinat, a senior content writer at Vox and I am super super excited to be here. I'll be navigating you through today's podcast but by no means will I be the star of our show. Instead that honor goes to our esteemed guest today but we'll get back to that in a bit. First and foremost Our topic today is identity theft, and it's one that I'm personally very interested in, simply because I've read so much about it, yet still feel like I'm completely unprepared. Plus, in all honesty, the thought of it ever happening to me absolutely terrifies me. So I, for one, am pretty eager to hear how I can prevent this. But before we get into it, let me start by introducing our guests, who certainly know enough about the topic to keep us all safe and sleeping peacefully. So, without further ado, I'd like to say hello and welcome to our two esteemed guests, Mr. Archie Peterson, Cybersecurity Analyst, and Gustav Kukumur, Network Engineer at Vox. Hi, guys. Welcome and thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Let's all start by introducing ourselves. We'll go first with Gustav and then we'll get to Archie. Gustav, how are you? I'm very Fine. Thank you very much for having us on today. My name is Gustav Kukumur. I'm a cybersecurity specialist for Vox Telecoms. I've been here for almost 10 years now. And my focus is predominantly around uh, the firewall services that Vox sell, the maintenance and install of these devices. And I think we can have a lot of fun chatting about this topic today. Definitely interested, and I'm so eager to hear your thoughts on the matter. What about Mr. Peterson? Archie, can you introduce ourselves for our, for our listeners? Uh, hi, okay, so thank you so much. Um, Archie Peterson, uh, cybersecurity specialist, or sorry, uh, analyst um, with Vox for going on nine months now, um, and mainly looking at ISO 27001 and uh, Kaspersky Endpoint Security. Interesting. So you're at Vox for nine months and I'm at Vox for just over 10 months. I think we pretty much started around the same time. So interesting enough, that leads me to my first set of questions before we even talk about cybersecurity or identity theft. Tell us about Archie and Gustav. Talk to our listeners about your journey. How did you get into cybersecurity? How did you end up at Vox? And ultimately, what led to the two of you sitting here today? Archie, you can go first. Um, yeah, so hell, um, my journey is an interesting one. Um, been in the game for you know quite a number of years, um, over fifteen years actually. Um, strangely enough, started off uh, as a, a retail, like a salesperson, um, back in the game Dion times, um, selling uh, you know small business machines. Um, where my love for IT developed. Um, from there, uh, just grew. Got a job at a local mine, a mining company here in uh, the Free State. Uh, started as a desktop security, and I worked myself up. Um, and after ten years at the mining company, I left the company as a telecommunications uh, team leader uh, for the, you know, gold mine group. Um, having left them, uh, I actually 
got a new job um, where I were involved with uh, firewalls um, and uh, networking security. Um, and that is where my love for security actually started. Um, you know, then the next logical step for me was then obviously when I did get the opportunity to join the cybersecurity team at Box, uh, you know, I obviously jumped at that. Um, yeah, so long, strange journey. Um, worked all the way up from desktop secure, uh, desktop technician right through to, to cybersecurity analyst. Um, and I have to say, uh, in only these last nine months, I've learned so much already um, and looking forward to the next 10 years of learning and, more. And we're definitely looking forward to hearing from you today. What about you, Gustav? I know from chatting to you previously, your journey is also equally interesting. Tell us about yourself. So... I started my IT journey started with Vox Telecoms prior to working for Vox Telecoms 10 years ago. Uh, I did not work in any IT related fields and I uh, started working at our call center uh, on our monitoring team where I worked for I think about a year and a half, then moved on to the support teams there, worked my way through the support teams and got opportunity to go and work for our installs teams. And it's really at our installs teams. We, as a support guy, you work on only one issue at a time. You don't never really get the whole picture of, of what a client's requirements are for his network. You only deal with this one particular issue. And when I started working at installs and you meet these customers face to face on a brand new installation, it's got a new office and it's a lot of new employees, is where I really started understanding how just a single piece of our equipment that Vox uh, sells, our firewall, how it all ties into the entire network and what the capabilities of it, of the firewalls are and how you can educate your customers in, in best practices around uh, security. And uh, from there, I worked about two years for installs team, then went to our core network operationals team where I worked under Chris Burrell, our head of networks. And at, after about five years of working there is really when Vox started shifting our focus onto security. And at that stage, we decided to uh, make security our own department. And where I had the opportunity to become the cybersecurity specialist for Vox Telecoms. And that's where I am today, 10 years later. So it sounds like both of you really have had quite an interesting career path. Um, starting literally from the bottom and working your way all the way to the top. So kudos to both of you. And it's interesting to see how you've gained your experience through working, which, which obviously counts for quite a lot. So dare I say you guys have certainly mastered the field and from your real world dealing with these problems, you'll be able to advise us on a more practical, realistic approach through your years of seeing this in action. So let's talk about the hot topic, which is identity theft. I have to say off the bat, it seems at surface level, just from my research, that it's considered a major problem in the USA because you hear about it so often. But dare I say, it feels a bit underestimated here. 
we don't hear about identity theft as often or as commonly as we do with international studies, possibly because we feel like we have bigger fish to fry. Is that the case? Why do you guys think that? Is it underestimated or underreported? Well, uh, yeah, very good point. Um, yeah, again, a lot or actually most of the stats, 90% of the stats uh, available out there on online uh, are basically from your first world countries like the US and Britain and all of that stuff. Um, we do have a, a fraud prevention uh, service in South Africa that do keep track of these uh, stats. Um, but yeah, as mentioned, I, I believe uh, Quite a big problem is the fact that a lot of these things do not go reported, uh, you know, in in the proper fashion, um, and and I think that's where that's where you know one of the big issues. Uh, it's a lot more prevalent than we think it is, um, and yeah, it's very dangerous. And and to add to that, um, I think if you if you would if we had accurate information and you would compare the amount of people that has access to the internet and of those people how many has been affected by identity theft cyber identity theft in particular you would see that in a country like south africa we have a lot less people that has day-to-day -day access to the internet and specifically use the internet in the way where you are more likely to be a victim of, of cyber identity theft. And in America, we all know with Amazon and eBay being so big there, it's very easy for people to sit at home and order everything they want online and just get it delivered. Where in South Africa, it's still fairly new to us, but a large amount of the country doesn't use these service, don't have access to these service. But if you would compare the amount of people that has access versus the amount of people in the USA that has access to these services, I think you'll see that the stats would would definitely align between us and, and the USA. We are not less likely to be fished. I think we, we are the same. We're in the same boat. And we need to be just as aware as the rest of the world and not just think it's something that happens elsewhere because it definitely happens everywhere. I agree. And Archie, there was a stat you mentioned earlier that said that in the US, um, identity theft damages resulted in around $702 billion worth of damage to victims. So I think Absolutely. that goes a long way to say we really can't afford to take this lightly. So unfortunately, it seems like a catch-22. So on one hand, you have people staying at home, and naturally this will have a result in actual crimes. But with more people being at home, we've seen an increase in cyber crimes, specifically identity theft, which leads to my first question for our audience. Gustav, how exactly does identity theft happen to start with? I think the, the most common way of identity theft these days is called uh, account takeover. And that's where every any place you log in online, whether it's your bank, your email, your social media platform, we use a username and password 
this is the most common place where a user will assume your identity if they have your details. They will have access to whatever you have access to, whether this is online buying, whether it's your online banking or your social media. They will then become you. And this is the most common that we've seen so far. It happens not just in personal, but in business as well. In business, they will typically fish your uh, your Outlook account. And this has devastating effects because a lot of these accounts are linked. And uh, if one of these accounts gets compromised by someone, they would have access to a lot more stuff. And uh, we've definitely seen that this is the most common uh, part of identity theft is account takeover, and which is the the one which is the most scary, I think. Yeah. What about if, uh, if I could, yeah, if I could add to what Gustav said, hundred uh, uh, percent. I think he mentioned phishing in there. It's probably one of the easiest ways for bad actors to actually get a hold of your information. Uh, it's it's unsuspecting uh, recipients of an email, for instance, clicking on a link that looks legitimate. Um, and the moment you click on the link, you know, it either installs um, malware on your computer, which uh, tracks your keystrokes. Um, alternatively, it could take you to a fake site where you then enter personal information. Um, and, and immediately they have access to your uh, account details. Um, and that is how they actually use that information to actually do this account takeover. Um, but it's not just that. It's, it's something as simple as, as eavesdropping on your telephonic conversations in a in a you know in a in a, in a public space, for instance, uh, they could overhear you mentioning a pin number, for instance, to someone on the telephone. So, you know, you know, keep in mind of what you're doing, what your surroundings are, that sort of thing. But my question is: Is this something that's going to go away, or is it something that? we've got to learn to love what and equip ourselves to deal with. Uh, so how, this will unfortunately probably never, ever go away simply because it is such a lucrative um, method of, of actually making money, uh, basically stealing money. Um, and unfortunately, you know, these hackers, they have so many different tools that they can use. And a lot of these people actually, uh, you know, they make a living out of that. So the, the odds are we would never, ever get rid of it. So best is uh, educate yourself, uh, you know, keep, keep, your, keep your first security or keep your security in mind always. So my question, gents, is why? For me, the average Joe sitting at home, I'm a content writer for Fox. I sadly don't have a fortune in my bank account. At surface level, it doesn't seem like there's much to be gained from stealing or replicating my identity, which I think is a mistake that a lot of people make um, when underestimating it, thinking that I'm not someone who has a lot of assets or I'm not someone who should be a target. Therefore, I don't need to be as cautious as the next person. Could you perhaps share some insight on why identity theft is a thing? What, how criminals benefit from pretending to be someone else and why everyone is at risk? Yes, sure. So what we need to understand about this whole business of of collecting 
hacking information of users is that how the trend works is that somebody will, a hacker, typical hacker, will build a database of users. Now, he doesn't care who these users are. You will build up this database, whether you are wealthy or not wealthy, because it's not always about money. So they will collect this big database with credentials in, and they'll put it up on the black market to be sold at the highest bidder. And then someone else will come, whether it's an advertising company, they're not always honest on where they get their details. So an advertising company or a scam company, which is something that happens a lot. We've all received a lot of scam calls. Most of us have the app on our phone these days that will notify you that a number has been reported as a scammer. And this is typically where they'll get the information from. They will go on the dark web. Even if you don't own a lot of money, the hacker doesn't care, and they will on-sell this database to whomever wants it at the highest bidder. And then you'll become part of this database where you are likely to then receive either scam emails or scam phone calls. And um, it's, it's definitely a very lucrative business, as Archie mentioned, outside. Archie, from absolutely. your end, what, what dangers are there? Um, 100% what Gus said is 100% correct. Uh, however, what you also keep in mind is, even though um, you and me, we're not probably very wealthy, it, it's really not the point. What, what happens is this person effectively becomes you online. So next step for that person, um, they, they're going to be trying to access your credit life. So you work hard, you pay your bills, you have a great credit rating. Um, and what this bad actor can now do with all of your information is basically apply for and get a loan on your name um, that you are liable for. They get the cash and they're gone. Uh, so, you know, protecting your, your, uh, your credit life is also very important. Um, other things they can do, they can use your credit card details once they have that information. They can clone your credit card. They can basically go to a car rental company, for instance, rent a car in your name, uh, just never bring it back, and you're liable. So, yeah, it's, it's really important to protect that information. I think a lot of people don't realize how much damage someone can do with your information or how powerful that information actually is. Which brings me to my next set of questions, Archie and Gustav. Um, how do you go about safeguarding this information? What's your best bet when it comes to avoiding identity theft and ensuring that your valuable or your private info isn't either stolen or easy to access? So one thing that I think we all need to come to terms with is that your information is out there. And it's very unlikely that you'll ever be able to hide, let's for instance, say your ID number, because your ID number might end up on a piece of paper that you left in your trash. And it might've been there for a while. So 
if we had this conversation 15 years ago, there's a lot different we could do. We, we, if we had the mindset then of keeping this information to ourselves, yes, but it's been so far down the line that we need to accept that our information is out there. And the focus needs to shift away from trying to hide this information and shift more towards preventing what people can do with this information if they have the information. And there it's very important where everywhere you log in online, every platform, whether it's your banking, whether it's Google, whether it's Facebook, wherever you log in, with this information, you need to ensure that your passwords are regularly changed and are strong passwords with special characters. There's a lot of tools online and uh, that you can generate these passwords from not to use the same password for all of the platforms because the hackers outside there know that if you have a Facebook account, you're likely to have a Gmail account. And if you're going to use the same password for the one as the other one, if the one gets compromised, it's very likely that the other one gets compromised. And then secondly, and probably the most important part of online protection that can be offered is two-factor authentication. Now, this sounds very new to a lot of people, but a lot of people has been using it for quite some time and not know about it. And this is typically where you'll receive a SMS. So you'll put in your username and password, and the next screen will say, enter the number, you've the OTP, the one-time PIN that you received on your phone. This is the single best thing you can protect yourself with, is that even if a hacker now has your username and password, he still can't log in without using that one-time password that expires after a couple of minutes that you and only you receive on your phone. In that case, if your information is out there, username and password, this hacker still can't log in and assume your identity online, which is very important. What about from your end, Archie? Yeah, um, 100%. Again, uh, Gustav, um, adding to that, I, I think very, very important um, education. Educate yourself uh, on how identity theft happens, and that'll be the best way that you can protect yourself at the end of the day. Um, things like phishing emails. If, if you're not expecting a mail uh, from, from somebody or if it looks dodgy, um, you know, don't click on the mails. Um, if, if you get a... a, a an, an email from your banking uh, site or application or, you know, whatever the case may be, uh, demanding you to check something by clicking on a link. Rather go to the site itself, uh, you know, don't click on any links in your email. Um, but, yeah, this is just a small, small part of it. Um, as uh, Vox Cybersecurity, we um, do a lot of uh, uh, information security workshops and, and uh, campaigns Um you know, based upon uh, basically trying to uh, educate people at, you know, about the dangers of uh, things like phishing attacks, um, malware, uh, you know, all that sort of thing. So make, you know, make sure that you actually participate in those um, education campaigns, make sure that you understand where we're coming from, 
And that ultimately would be the best way to protect yourself in the long run. I definitely agree. And I think that a big component is always going to be education. However, guys, the unfortunate reality is that things do happen. Uh, you can be careful, but there's always one that's going to slip through the cracks or an unfortunate incident that can't be avoided. I actually read a stat that said 95% of all cyber attacks are caused by human error. So what happens in the event of a worst case scenario? What can you as the victim do to either reverse or do damage control or ensure that identity theft doesn't mean the end of the world as far as you're concerned? Well, so hell yeah. Um, as you mentioned, unfortunately, it does happen. Um, but there are a few steps that you can take, uh, though it will not happen overnight. Uh, one must keep in, keep in mind that this is going to be a process. Um, I think, first of all, the very first step that you need to make is very first moment you, you realize something's wrong, you need to make a case or report the identity theft at the South African Police Service, and then also um, the company or the bank or the financial institution where the fraud occurred. Um, very important to actually you know have that foothold um, because at the, you know, in the long run that'll that'll you know make aware or make the people aware that you uh, that you know that there's an issue. Um, if bank accounts and things like that have been fraudulently created, um, always keep in mind: don't keep your bank accounts um, open. Uh, close them down immediately the moment you realize there's something wrong. Uh, close down the newly created bank accounts, for instance. Uh, but also keep in mind that you know the person that's gained access uh, to your banking uh, profile, for instance, already has that access. So. Um, it, it, it's very advisable for you to actually close down your current accounts and everything that you have and then request new accounts and new pins and new cards so that they can't keep using the information that they used to have. Um, also, as I mentioned earlier, there's a South African uh, fraud prevention service. Uh, service has been running for a number of years, but I don't think uh, a lot of people actually know about the service. Um, it's, it's, I think, the main checking body for this sort of uh, information in South Africa. Um, and it's, it's a very integral part of, uh, you know, being able to, to counter these uh, sort of uh, breaches. Uh, that's it. Yeah. Okay, so if, if you want to get in contact with them, uh, you can simply visit their website at www.safps.org.za. Um, as I mentioned, this is a fraud prevention service. Um, one of the steps that you would also need to do once you've realized that you have been uh, hacked or scammed or whatever uh, is to apply for a protective registration. Uh, you can also do this on site. And basically what that does, it immediately uh, tells banking institutions or, uh, you know, credit uh providers that they need to be more vigilant and make sure that they're actually dealing or transacting with the proper identity holder. Um, and then obviously, again, as uh, Gus mentioned earlier, usernames and passwords. Uh, this is information that you don't want lying around, uh, especially, uh, I mean, having a username, that's that's half of the puzzle right there. Um, 
there, there's so many sophisticated softwares out there that can break a password. And if you give them the username, you know, half the job's done. So keep your usernames uh, safe, um, but then obviously your passwords make them as difficult as possible to break uh, and change them very, uh, you know, very often. Um, what about from your end, Gustav? What would you suggest? What oh, do you think Archie has covered it quite comprehensively? I think Archie has covered most of it. I think it's it's important to to definitely contact the uh, the provider and then immediately keep a track of your credit score using uh, one of the online facilities. Yes. Uh, Clear score. We see the ads every day on on the TV. And logging in there and daily for, I'd say, you know, for the next month at least, you know, go on there, daily track your credit score, where accounts have been created. And uh, because all of these, there's all of these providers intertwine information with each other. And so, don't just look, if your UPSA account has been breached, don't just focus on your banking account. Focus on everything else that you have from your email accounts because the banking institution knows your email because they send you your statements there. So everything, keep a track of your credit score, and don't just reset your passwords where the event has happened with that provider. Clean up everything, which is something that should be done, you know, at least once a month by everyone, changing your passwords on all your platforms. But in this event, you especially need to spend the time in making sure that there's no weird activity on all of your accounts and not just where this provider is. Absolutely. And that makes complete sense. I think there are people that might overlook it and think that just because my banking app is hacked, I need to just change that password. And it could be a potentially fatal oversight as far as your credit score is concerned. With that in mind, guys, I think that's all the time we have for today. But I do thank you sincerely for your time, your knowledge and expertise. My actual last question to both of you is any final words, any final advice or caution that you'd like to send through to our users before we wrap up? I think from my side, we need to, we need to assume what the security world outside there is calling zero trust. Yes. Is do not trust any email. That is your best defense. Do not trust any SMS whatsoever. If a banking institution, if you are expecting a call from your bank, then entertain the call. If you are not expecting a call from a bank or MTN or wherever, Edgar, or whatever it may be, don't entertain the call. Tell them you're not interested. You're not going to share any of your information. If they call you, they should already have your information. You don't have to share it on the phone. Don't trust anyone. This is not going to go away anytime soon. And the best would be is trust no one. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have to agree with you. 
Yeah, from your yeah. end, Archie. Yeah, no, as I, as I'm saying, absolutely agreeing with uh, with Gustav there. Um, from my end, I think very very important, as I mentioned earlier, education. Um, educate yourself. Google it. I mean, Google has all the information. If if you're worried about anything, um, make sure that you know what is vulnerable. Um, make sure that you that you know what people can do with that information, um, and make sure that you safeguard it. I wholeheartedly agree. I think like both of you mentioned, it's an unfortunate reality that we live in. And one that a problem that doesn't look like it's going away anytime soon. However, based on the information you guys have given me, I think it's, I feel a lot more hopeful after this discussion because I know that there are simple yet very, very effective methods to avoid ever being compromised. So once again, I thank both of you for your time and effort and, of course, for your insight and knowledge. And with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. So thank you to all of our listeners for taking the time to listen to us. And I hope this has answered any identity theft questions you may have. If you're following us on social media, be sure to like, to share, and to pass on to your friends and family. And please keep your eyes peeled on our page for the next episode. Until then, Vox out. Yeah.